Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, you've seen her on Conan, on Two Dope Queens on HBO, and she has a podcast called The Dork Forest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jackie Cation. Thank you. Hello, Minnesota. And NPR. I love stand-up comedy, and I get to do it everywhere. And it's actually been very good for me, because I'm not particularly good with people. I am from Wisconsin. I'm the youngest of six. I have four older brothers and an older sister. Before the age of seven, in my family, there was a lot of hitting. A lot of hitting. Our parents hit us. We hit each other. It was the 70s. It's the golden age of hitting. It's over. Don't worry about it. It is flash in hell this week. We have a guest who's been on Conan. That's right. It's comedian Jackie Cation. Thank you for downloading this episode of Welcome to Hell. Hang in there, guys. Hello. Uh, nice haircut. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I went early. I went early on the clippers. And yeah. I've been to grow my greys out for a long time. And I thought, fuck, this is the time. I got a, a rogue-like uh, stripe of white coming in. <laughs> it's nice. I'm wearing a turban. So, I mean, it's all good. Thank you for joining us. A little bit of background. So we're talking to Jackie Cation, who is a stand-up comedian from the United States of America, um, who I have known, I think, since 2005 or four. Jackie, I couldn't remember, but a long time. Yeah. And Michelle and Jackie are meeting now. But you know what? This is not something I normally do, but today I thought, even though this is someone I know, I'm going to do a bit of... I'm going to Google the shit out of Jackie Cation. Nice. And I learned a couple of things, girl. Oh, did you? Well, it's only been 15 years. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, I, I had uh, Aisha Tyler on my podcast, The Dork Forest, probably yes. 10 years ago. And I was like, have you been doing anything since Friends? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, yeah, I've been working. And uh, been doing so- a few things. Yeah, but you know when you meet someone, especially in a festival environment, so Michelle, Jackie and I met at Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. when you meet someone in a festival environment, they're frozen in time for you in that time. Yep. And plus then you have the kind of weirdness of being able to follow that person via um, mutual friends, the internet, like hearing stuff about that. So you feel like you're still in their life. Right, right. But one of the main things that I learned about you that I thought I would have known is that you are Armenian. I am Armenian. Oh, well, I, you probably don't know this, but you should. 
I am not secret at all in my love for the Kardashians, who arguably the most famous Armenians on the planet. They are a certifiable mess, those people. <laughs> they, I'm not saying that they are not marketing geniuses. And they clearly, there's been some working out. There's some sit-ups yeah. happening. <laughs> If I, if it weren't for the Kardashians, I would not know about the Armenian genocide. So it'd be great wow. for your people. Right. Right. You might want to read a book. What? <laughs> that got angry. Uh, <laughs> if you go to my band camp, there's two, there's two bits. There's one that's on my last album, so it's available free. Uh, but it's about my grandmother uh, in the genocide. And then there's another, and these are both very funny genocide stories. Nobody doesn't right. want a funny genocide story. <laughs> and then I've got my, my great uncle Haji, uh, that, one, that story as well. So see, I, can't, I can't hear band camp without thinking about someone putting a flute up their hoo-ha. <laughs> so it's, uh, I'm unfamiliar with the Kardashian uh, genocide <laughs> stories. <laughs> I'm going to go to band camp and listen to your Armenian stories. I'm inspired by Kim Kardashian um, on many levels. That's one. Sure. And, of course, on uh, Jackie Cation. Michelle, have you got any questions for young Jackie? Yeah, I haven't seen any gigs, uh, any stand-up gigs online. So how do they work? Can you hear the laughter? Surely. Well, the, uh, the, the ones that I like the best, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I have a favourite. It's like having a favourite non-alcoholic beer. Um, yeah. It is, uh, which, by the way, is the O'Doul's Amber. Anyway, so... Um, Are you not yeah, drinking, Jackie? No, I, 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 I used to drink, and then I got yeah. a couple of DUIs, and then yeah. I decided that it uh, was a terrible idea. So how long so, have you drunk? Uh, almost uh, 22 years. I'm in for the duration, is what yeah, I'm saying. You're done. Yes. You're, good. you're golden. It's all good. And, uh, and for the most part, yeah, I don't miss it. So, but here's a scoop. Is um, the Zoom shows, there's different ways that people have been doing stand-up online. There's, uh, and I've done Instagram, YouTube, Live, Facebook Live, and Twitch. And... Um, the Zoom ones are the best uh, because you can unmute people and you can hear the laughs. And ah. there's a very famous, no, it is not famous. It's a terrible after-school special from 1979 that I saw when I was a child. Uh, it, and it's the Freddie Prince story. And it's called, Can You Hear the Laughter? And it's about how he kills himself because he can't hear the laughter. Oh, Jesus. You got to hear the laughter. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it, the Zoom shows are the best because like both shows tonight had over 200 people and my husband has been working, he's been doing, the online shows need tech people just like a real show, right? You need someone to work the sound and you need someone sort of to work the door because there's hecklers, there's trolls. New 14 year olds are being born every day. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> And so you gotta you, you gotta have someone to mute the dum dums. Actually, can I put a put a pin in there? I think this is very interesting because it's like when people start out in stand up, or they start running a room for the first time, and they think all oh, that shit doesn't matter. <laughs> you know that all you've got to do is like get some people there, and you know if you've got a milk crate and a megaphone, it will be right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you realise actually, if people can't see and hear you. You're all fucked. 
And yeah. we're probably there now with, with having to go online. I guess there's some people who just go, I'll just wing it with my phone. Doesn't work. Nope. It turns out everything is a learn skill and change sucks. <laughs> so also with Zoom, right? I have a friend who's going to AA meetings on Zoom. And they oh. were early on, they were getting the Zoom bombing, right? Which is what you were talking about with the 14. Ah. Yeah. How does that work? Well, um, I know that Maria Bamford had uh, some reels. And I've been in several of the shows where, and they're terrible. I mean, they're literally, you know, there's <laughs> nothing worse than a clever 14-year-old. They're, they're a creative bunch of jackasses. Yeah. And like uh, you're like, I get it. You're looking for negative attention. But Maria yeah. has a very funny bit about it. It's uh, it's pretty good. One of the, um, I don't know if you remember this, I know how fraught it is to recall people's old material because I can't remember jokes I wrote a year ago. Like, I honestly can't. But, but I love when people remember mine. It's one of my great I remember stories. yours all the time. And I quote them to you and I'll do it again. But one of my <laughs> favourites of Jackie's was about Andy. So she met her husband, Andy, online. And I think not long before or after we met, it was around the same sort of time, but you were doing a great joke about Andy and the fact that he was home dusting his curio shelf. It's <laughs> 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 never left me. It's just, and I believe if I'm correct, the punchline was like, ladies, that guy is home. My new Andy joke is, uh, let's see. Oh, I know. It's, uh, it's a Christmas joke, actually, because uh, I didn't know, because I'd never had a relationship before that when you're in a relationship together, sometimes you want to have the sexy times, but everybody's exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want to do it, but everybody's super tired. Wow. And whenever we make the sweet, sweet love and we're super tired, whenever we make sweet, sweet love, I want him to have the best time. He wants me to have the best time because we both like each other a great deal. But when we have the sleepy time sex, when we're both super tired, neither of us has the best time. <laughs> we, have a, we have a good time time you know things happen tab a slot a i'm a bottom but um it turns but I, whatever we have that that sexy time i call that the sex of the magi because nobody gets what they want really we're all just rooting around <laughs> looking for pocket watches and uh, combs well that's reminded me now but this whole thing could just be me quoting you two back to you because one two of my favorite jokes of michelle's one of them involved a hand job. And in fact, one of my favorite jokes of Jackie's involved a hand job with an old guy, which I'll come back to, but involved a hand job where Michelle, you referred to it, I believe, as that kind of time when you don't really feel like having sex with your partner and you just like <laughs> you give them a hand job. And I think the tagline was, you know, just helping out a mate. It's <laughs> a favor for a mate. But I, it did occur to me with the, the fact there's some profound wisdom in all jokes and well, in most jokes and the profound wisdom in the ladies that dude is home is to me it's the shift from what you're looking for when you're 20 yeah. versus what you're looking for which i think you would have been sort of 40 ish when you started yeah. dating Andy, where you go yeah. actually Wait, i want someone who's going to be fucking nice to me yeah. Who's yeah. going to be home? Who's going to want to be with me and not this kind of like, you know, guy on a Harley Davidson <laughs> with the leather jacket and the whole thing. So there's something profound in that, but it occurred to me, does that mean, given Andy is that guy, Dustin is curio shell, how's he going in lockdown? 
Oh my God, he is, it's, he's, blo he's blossoming. And so he could not, he could not be happier. He's like, we don't have to go anywhere. And you're climbing the walls, I'm guessing. Well, not since I started, you know, not since I started doing the Zoom shows. Because uh, okay. I, I it literally, it, it takes care of the need that I have. Because I'm supposed to put out a new album this year. Yes. But I can't work on a new album if I don't work on a stand-up comedy, right? So at least the stand-up, like we did two one-hour shows tonight where each comic did 20 minutes. Yeah. It's almost a little too long. So when I do my own shows, I usually do like 30 or 35 minutes and then I get another comic to do 10 or 10 minutes, five or 10 minutes in front of me. So yeah, yeah if either of you guys want to guess that, just email me. When I started in um, in comedy, so, you know, I, I mean, I won't go through the whole story again, but I fell into it very much by accident by landing in a workshop that was supposed to be for something else. And Michelle was there and was pretty, was one of the first, what, three or four professional comedians that I'd ever met in my entire life. And I remember the experience. I'd never been to live stand-up and I went to the festival club, which you have done as well, Jackie, and I've performed that as well. And Michelle was the host and she had that, what I think of as a very quintessential experience of stand-up that we think of in the general public, which is she got heckled. And the way that she handled it, like I just was like, oh, my God, it's like a superpower. I've never seen anything like it. It's called aggression. No, it wasn't. Right, right. It actually was charm and disarm. Was it, was it charm and disarm? It was. Well, it's also a great outlet. I mean, the thing is, yeah. is it's one of the only places where you have all the power. You know, you have, yeah. you have an amplification system and they've had six beers. It's so easy, but you know, and they don't realize it. It's that great moment where they honestly think 
when they yell something at you that they are in this position of power. They think you're going to be so frightened and embarrassed, you know. And when you stand your ground and smile at them and they see you reveling in the moment and you repeat back what they've just said to you really loudly and you just stand there enjoying it and everyone goes, oh, fuck, she's enjoying <laughs> it. Oh, and everyone's just so, you know, it's such a beautiful moment, isn't it? One of my favorite, uh, the first time I ever saw anyone do that was probably 85. This woman, Vanda Michaels, somebody heckled and she just turned to him and went, shh. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. It was outstanding no. and it worked. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. believe it worked. Yeah. You've you got know? it because I think it's interesting and I'd love to know your take on it. I mean, in terms of stand up, but also in terms of coronavirus, the cultural difference stuff. Because I think that sort of um, very heckling, quite masculine um, culture of stand-up is more American and Scottish or more British and American than it is Australian. Like probably I've been, I don't know about you, Michelle, but I've been heckled in an aggressive way probably a dozen times max. Well, I think it's, it's, um, it's sort of uh, the rooms more than the, the, the culture. Yeah. Probably, because I mean, when when I first started out, I was doing a lot of one night one nighters. You just drive. And you were doing comedy. (laughs) It's so funny because it's I'm working on this thing about regrettable consensual sex. Oh my god! Because who hasn't had regrettable consensual sex where you're just like, well, that was mediocre, interesting. Uh, (laughs) Moving on. But one of my favorite stories not just of yours but of all time is the story about you with the old guy well the the crazy thing about the old man was that it was like a uh sorry i'm already laughing because i love it no i well, i have but, well the weird thing is i have a new old man story too oh my the, God. not sexual i pushed an old man it wasn't okay <laughs> um yeah yeah anyway what? so you assaulted an old man he was a terrible person, and uh, but I am definitely not the hero of that story. Yes, um, uh, the old, the old, the old old man story. I was probably twenty three, and I um, was bored staying at my sister's house for like a month. And one Sunday afternoon, I went out looking for a video game and um, and a beer on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon at like three o'clock. All of a sudden, it was eleven o'clock. And I was best friends with the career drunks at the bar, one of whom was a guy in his what early eighties, and uh, he was genuinely old. So um, he he said he asked me if I wanted to keep partying, and I said yeah. So we got into his car and we drove to a, a third location. Never never go to a third location. So we drank for like another three hours, and then he was like, "I'll drive you home," and we got in his car. And he started hitting on me. And I was like, oh, gross. Old guy hitting on me. He, then it became super sad. He was like, that it had been a long time. He was super lonely. He was super sad. And I thought, well, I could, I could fuck that guy. It's not going to kill me. And um, for a mate. It's a classic favor for a mate. How about a mate? <laughs> anyway, but I took my hand and I put it on his thigh. And he literally turned to me and he came. <laughs> like, <gasps> like that i've never felt more powerful as a woman um 
and I'd love to tell you that the that the story ends there, but it doesn't. Oh. He had to drive to his apartment first so he could change his pants, and then, uh, but he was out of booze, so I walked out. I was like, I waited like two seconds. I looked around his house for any more booze. There wasn't any, so I walked into the night. It's like two, three in the morning, and I ran into a graduate student, I think from Somalia. I had sex with that guy. Anyway, uh, and then guess what? I wasn't killed. All of my stories, and and then I wasn't killed, you guys. Wow. Right. Yeah. You're building on more of those stories for a special. And it's coming, it's coming right along. It's pretty great. I only have, like, one political joke, because I've never really done political materials. I've, I've done sociopolitical material. But yeah. political political material, is, I just, I'm just too full of rage. you got to be able to find the funny, right? It's very difficult. And so... Like, obviously, Trump is the elephant in the room. So are you, because obviously desperate times, des desperate measures, are you doing Trump gear or are you just going, nah, too many people doing it? Well, my last album came out six weeks after the election. Mm. And so for the first time ever, I, the first 10 minutes of that album is just me panting. And so that first 10 minutes of uh, I'm Not the Hero of This Story, which is my current album, and it's for free, by the way, everywhere anyone might want to listen to it. And so, but it's the first 10 minutes is just literally, it's about where I've got, where I got my hope, what I'm afraid of, what the fuck. And so there's 10 minutes of that. And then another 45 minutes of the material I was going to do. You know, it's a lot of family stuff. I talk a lot about, you know, being married and having a, a dad. I've got a new chunk though, because there's so much so much sexism right yeah and um so i have this very big chunk about flirting how many dudes do you know who are like you can't flirt anymore man and um <laughs> and i know i'm a hundred years old and i've been trying to explain to people that i'm the last generation because if i talk to a younger woman I'll, i will tell these stories and these women in their 30s are like what what did what did you tolerate yeah. How did, why did you, and you're like, no, he's not that bad. You just, you just yeah. don't want to be alone with them. He's a nice yeah. enough guy. Yeah. Oh, just, God. But the, the, the thing is, is it's so interesting because it's not to do bits about stuff like that. You have to find sort of the love. Yeah. Like yes. I, it has to come from a place of the men that I know who are sane and adults. Mm and not monsters, right? How the fuck do you do that in the era of Trump though? I mean, literally at this point, it's white supremacy. I mean, you can't say that he's smart. You can't say that he's good at the job that he refuses to do. You can't, You there's no defense. And there was no defense of him when he was on that stupid show. Like he's not even charming. So we see, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's really hard. And I was saying this to you the other day. We've got a really sort of skewed view of American politics through an Australian lens, you know, and some international media. But the main things that are, are coming through to me are obviously the crazy disinfectant, inject and clean your blood stuff and all of the other crazy things that he says. Like, is that stuff, how's that stuff being reported and received, do you think, in America? Or is it very much a, depends if you're talking about Fox or ABC or 
he's so clearly unhinged that even Fox is having a hard time not pointing out how bananas he is. The reporting that's being done is I don't I don't watch the news. I read the news. And I have ever since Bill Clinton read speeches instead of watched them because I can see I can see the lies easier. And it doesn't matter if I agree with the politician for the most part or not. So I don't want to hear your weird, charming voice, Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, you are the smartest guy in the room. I'll give you that. But you are also a career politician, so there are things that you're not telling me. Donald Trump is the kind of guy who has failed upward his entire life. Like, I was hoping the American empire would go out with a whimper, uh, not with a bang. The only silver lining I think about this whole situation is that the Germans are going to get to be the good guys in World War III. And that's nice for them. Um, Come on. You admit the worst thing you ever did, you get to be the hero in the sequel. So good for the Germans. The smartest people in the room right now are just in shock. But But Jackie, have you heard of the future world leader who is hot and overqualified, Jacinda Ardern, Prime Minister of New Zealand? No. Okay, that is your homework. Basically showing the big boys, and I say boys advisedly, the big boys how it's done. That's awesome. Yeah, it's weird that that North Korea might have a woman leader before us. Yeah. Before the United States. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a terrible time for the I mean the United States. Oh. Here's the good here's the only the thing is is I can't live all I can do is try to help the person in front of me, right? And I never know if I'm doing it uh just to be a jackass or if I'm actually, you know, it it you know, it could be it can sometimes be a little blurry. What this is doing in in many ways is it's showing a lot of the real problems that we've yeah. never dealt with. So yeah. civiliz- the civilization process is so slow mm. and full of upheaval and all these things. And I've never wanted to live through history, but here we are, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just need to be on the right side of it and I need to make sure that I'm not part of the problem and that I'm doing what I can to help and be the part of the good guys, you know? And it's, it feels like, and I could be wrong, Michelle might have a different view, but it feels like Australians and Americans in the broadest possible sense are responding in very similar ways in lots of ways. You know, we're used to a very high level of privilege. We're used to freedom. We're used to, you know, full supermarket shelves, having whatever we want, travelling, all the rest of it. One difference, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, is we don't have people protesting against the lockdown. I would say the difference, though, is that our death rate is so much lower and that we have universal health care and that we have uh, a safety net of welfare. Uh, You have a government. Even if it's a city government, you have an an entire... All all the positions are filled. Yes. You know that he hasn't filled any of... Almost every department is not been appointed, not been filled. Yeah, we have a great deal of unrest... That is yet to come. So and the protesters who are, you know, we're seeing, you know, white guys in bandanas kind of going, you won't take my freedom. Are they protesting? Because it seems to me they're with, they're pro-Trump. Right. They're, and there's not as many as has been depicted. You know, okay. we're talking hundreds instead of thousands. 
Okay, so that's not the impression I've got. Michelle, is that the impression you've had in Australia? Yeah, I had the impression there was thousands. Uh, um, right, they're zooming in. They're, yeah. they're, they're shooting right. this thing to make it look like there's more than there is. I have never been more grateful in my life to live in California because each state, because of states' rights, weirdly enough, mm. uh, each state is its own little fiefdom and each county is its own little fiefdom and each city is its own little fiefdom. And so mm. like the governor of New York tried to shut down New York, but the mayor of New York was like, nope. nope. And so that's why New York was the epicenter. And that's why we have 50,000 dead people in this country. How do you have, let's go into the mind of the protester, how do you have 50,000 deaths? Because the images that are coming out of, you know, graves in bloody parks and all the things that Americans haven't seen since war and images from Italy and other places, how do you have that and then go, but fuck it, I'm going to the beach? Well, it's that that weird... Uh, rugged individualism that we've been sold since we were babies, right? You're like, no, feck it. I'm going to go out and I'll show you. And you're like, "Uh, who are you showing? (laughs) Uh, You're not showing anybody. You're, you're dying is what you're doing. And if you're not dying, you're getting someone else sick. And you know, there's literally, there's this celebration of ignorance that has been building for decades. Yes. Yes. Where they're just like, Oh, you think you're so smart. And I was like, has no one read a canticle for Leibowitz? What has happened? Yeah. Has, <laughs> a, has no one reading it, science fiction anymore? We learned it's that. The, it's the anti-intellectualism, which is also rife in Australia, but I think we're a bit behind you. Like, mm-hmm. I think we don't have the same culture of individualism, Michelle. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. It was really interesting here because we've definitely had that... Um, war on experts is what I've called it for a long time. You know, yeah, absolutely. That, you know, just because you're an expert, just because you're a scientist, what makes you think you know better than I do? <laughs> definitely had that. <laughs> Refined it over climate change. But for some some reason, this, the fear of this worked and, it, and yeah. everyone just swallowed their pride and got inside and did it, did the thing. But I think you're right, Nelly. I think it's, it's the same as when we look at the gun laws and the attitude to guns and stuff in the States. We don't understand it, but yeah. we see that that individualism and that the right to arms is so powerful, it overrides everything. The base sort of feelings I think we have in common, if I'd put it that way, like there is definitely the, with anti-intellectualism is just fear. You know, it's the fear of the aluminium siding guy or the guy punching, you know, the hairdresser or whoever, all of us, going, oh, well, I'm not done. Wouldn't it be great to genuinely believe that uh, climate change wasn't real? Like, wouldn't that be so relaxing? Yes, <laughs> yes. Believe that you knew better than... What a relief. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, actually. It's true. But I think that feeling's the same, but it manifests differently based on different cultural factors and structural and political factors. And as you said, we have universal healthcare, for example. Like that's a really different situation. Yeah. We, we can see, honestly, Jackie, we look at it and kind of go, we love even the right, love our healthcare system so much, we don't want to fuck it up. We see uh, Americans talking about their rights and their amendments and stuff like that. Like we don't have, we don't have a constitution. We don't have it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we don't have Bill of Rights, yeah. Yeah, the narrative that the essentially the Kool-Aid that we've been sold. I mean, the thing... It's Puritanism too, right? 
Well, it's not, though. Oh, Andy's making. Come in, Andy. Well, I, I was just thinking about the difference in the way that the U.S. was settled by Western Europe than Australia. Yeah. No, it was uh, a lot of religious pilgrims and a lot of a lot of our philosophy and the way that our country was sort of built and, and, and organized from the get-go. What's the strength in that sort of Puritanism? Because I think you're right. It is a very, like, we're convict settlers. How does that play out now in terms of Trump, in terms of coronavirus, in terms of responding to lockdown? Like, what are the echoes? Jackie and I were talking about this the other day. Ultimately, I blame uh, Gutenberg. (laughs) (laughs) We all do. Uh, But, you know, it's, it's, it's here in America where our disdain for authority has sort of stepped all the way up to, we joke about like having a personal relationship with Jesus. Right, that, that muddies, yes. I mean, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you can, you, then you don't have any authority. You to do you you, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're Nobody right. can tell you what to do about anything. It's like the collective psyche has actually elected a teenager. I don't follow rules, I'm defiant. Do you know what's really interesting in Australia? We like to think because of the convict story and because we're larrikins and the fucking shrimp on the barbie and all the other nonsense, we like to think that we're anti-authoritarian, but we're not. No, no. And one of the reasons that it's worked because we go, okay, daddy. <laughs> okay, you said no. you stay home. Okay, okay, no worries, don't hurt me. Now, I think our corona uh, experience has been a great example of our compliance. And you should see our media, yeah. it's so hilarious the way they keep talking about how we're smashing it. We're smashing yeah. corona. But it's yeah. actually just this example of how well behaved we are and how how compliant and what great rule followers we are because we don't like to look at ourselves that way at all, but that's actually who we are. Oh, no, we think we're all sticking it to the man, but we do exactly what the man says. If I put a positive spin on that, I do think part of the reason for that, and this is the same in New Zealand, is because even though I'm not a fan of our Prime Minister, we do have, relatively speaking internationally, a fantastic health system, a decent safety net, free education or public education that's free-ish. You know, we have a, a functioning society and there's something in the psyche that goes, don't fuck this up. There'll be, there'll be, uh, the AFL will come back. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've got good news for you too, actually. It's a surprise Michelle and I wanted to say for the end. I'm glad Andy's here for this. Um, when, as soon as the flights open, because it'll be let's say 10 months, 12 months, maybe for America, it'll probably be, we're sending all four of our kids over to stay with you guys. Yeah. Wow. Because we've had enough. We've had enough. <laughs> so, yeah, be kind to them. It's called exchange. Yeah, you pay for everything. Yeah. Good news all Poor Michelle, I feel like because I was so excited to catch up with Jackie that I have talked and talked and talked. No, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. Very nice to meet you. Well, thank you so much for coming on our um, little wireless chat. And Andy, I'm so glad that you were there as well. Yes, me too. Hopefully we'll see you at some point properly in person, but until then, take care, you guys. Be safe. See you later, Laurie. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.